Hi, I'm Rosie Acosta. I'm a meditation teacher, speaker, and author of You Are Radically Loved, a healing journey to self-love. Look, I grew up in East Los Angeles during the 92 LA riots, and it set me on a troubled path. I didn't grow up with mentors in my life, so I turned to reading as many books as I possibly could to learn about the purpose of life. In my journey, I found that having these conversations gave me life, and I decided I wanted to create a place where I could share these conversations with my community. So come have a sit with me as we learn about, well, everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Wisdom Wednesday. Wednesday. We're back to the plural. (laughs) I don't, uh, it doesn't, yeah, totally. It doesn't matter. Hey, everyone. It's Tessa and I. For those of you that are just tuning in that are not familiar with the show, my name is Rosie Acosta. I am a yoga and meditation teacher and author of You Are Radically Loved. Tessa? Yes, I am Tessa. I am a yoga and meditation teacher also, and I am the author of... um, that I almost forgot the name of my book. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the Dark Moon, a book of poetry for Shavasana. <laughs> yeah, it's been a let's, while since I said that out loud. I let's guess. talk about this. This is, <laughs> this is, okay, let's discuss because it has been a while. Let's talk about how, what, tell me the origin. Okay, and so side note, for those of you that don't know, Tessa and I met when I was living in Portland, Oregon, and she did a teacher training with me, and we've been together ever since. She has been such a vital role in my life as a teacher, as a co-conspirator, as a producer, as basically the director of Radically Loved. So she is here with us doing these special episodes because she has a lot of wisdom. Thank you. Yeah, I was just thinking back to, you know, it's so I'm listening to the audiobook, You Are Radically Loved. Oh, FYI. <laughs> Link um, in the show notes, guys. Yeah. And it's just, <laughs> I, you know, we do this segment, Wisdom Wednesdays, together, and it's nice to catch up with you in this way conversationally. But I also love to have you in my ear as I'm driving or walking the dog, and it's just so soothing. So I think about like our relationship. When I first met you, a friend of mine was trying to get me to do a teacher training for like five years. And he's like, hey, Tessa, I found this teacher training in Portland. You should come check out a class with the the trainer that's leading the training. And I went to your class and someone followed up with me afterward and they were like, how was it? And I was like, oh my God, I'm in love. So for me, it was love at first sight. And yeah, the rest is history. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'll take it. I'll take all of it. It was the same for me. Tessa was, is just so special. And you know, those moments where you just meet people that really help elevate you and inspire you. She does the same thing for me. So I'm, I'm really grateful to have you in my life. Aww. So that love fest being <laughs> said, so let's just quickly give people a background on your book because we started talking about it. So oh, right. give us yes. the, give us the origin story. Oh, the origin story. So I'd say 
like as a little kid, I probably started to write this. I was always writing poetry. I was always trying to figure out how to string sentences together since I learned how to make a letter. <laughs> My first little book was called The Stupid Pilgrim. I was five years old. <laughs> And I think I was really inspired by my grandmother. She was a writer. She was a journalist. She has a book of poetry that I have. And I also have her typewriter. It's from circa 19, I want to say 37. So it's an old, wow. beautiful typewriter that still works. And her story is kind of tragic. And so I felt like I wanted to breathe some life into her story and kind of healing through feeling like she was my muse and and getting uh, pen to paper in that way and and kind of let her live on a little bit longer. So that book is dedicated to her. And eventually, I'd like to write a historical fiction novel about her life and tell y'all more detail on that. Oh, I, very, I can't wait for this. How's that very, process going? You know, it ebbs and flows. <laughs> I, I can't say that I'm as consistent as you are, Rosie, or many other like professional authors. Like, I need some guardrails around that. Yeah, no, that's good. I, I love that you are being honest with us and telling us because look, I'm the same, you know, I, I need to have breaks and and it does ebb and flow and there is that consistency thing. I, I know the first week my book came out, I was like book number two, writing. I was ready, mm -hmm. you know, and I I started writing and then it's been a month and I'm like, just, I can't do this right now. <laughs> you know, like yeah. also, you know, I'm a million miles a minute person. I'm trying to do and be all things to all people. And we all know that that doesn't ever bode well for anybody. And it's actually appropriate for the conversation that we're having today with the people that are, so it's a special episode for everybody just FYI. And it actually is so apropos that we're having this conversation. So I got this novel from Harper, uh, Harper Collins. So I'm fortunate enough to be on this list of media. So I get a lot of titles in the mail and it's always so much fun for me because I get these proofs and they're really awesome. And Tessa gets them sometimes too, you know, mm -hmm. she gets them sent to her and it's always really great. Sometimes I know that the book is coming and sometimes I just get a surprise book in the mail. And this was actually one of those surprise books that I got. And the cover of the book was a monarch butterfly. And I don't know if you all know this. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I'm like an ad monarch advocate. We have to save the monarchs. They're going extinct. If you want to learn more, we'll put a link in the show notes so you can learn more about why this is absolutely detrimental to our human species. And so I just, I, I devoted myself to saving monarchs from that moment. And luckily for some reason, we have milkweed outside of our house. That is one of their favorite foods. It's what they eat. And so mm. one of my friends had been over at the house one day and she went over and turned a leaf over and said, oh, look, you have monarchs growing here. And I was like, what are you talking about? So I she goes that. over, she flips over the leaf and it looks like a tiny little, like a whitehead. Like if you've had a pimple before, it looks just like a <laughs> tiny little whitehead. Yes. And she goes, that's a monarch egg. And she goes, bring it inside your house 
and raise it. And she's like a total hippie. You know what I mean? She lives in mm-hmm. Topanga. Like, and I just, I do not have a green thumb. I've talked about it ad nauseum. <laughs> I'm trying to get better and I'm trying to not say that. I even I even have a, a plant coach, you know, and I've still yet to work with her. She's amazing. By the way, we follow each other on Instagram and I'm getting close to being ready to hire her. But I just was a little bit afraid of doing this for the first time. And so I took the egg in. My sister-in-law ended up coming over with my niece that same day and I showed them to her and she said, oh, at Sadie's school, they also raise monarchs. So I'll bring them to the school. And I was like, how does everybody know about this? But me, I have no, I had no idea. So I brought the egg in and I raised it and I documented the whole thing and I I posted it on an Instagram reel. So it's on my Instagram. If you're curious, you can go down and, and find that reel. It's very quick. But the entire process of the monarch is what really got me you know, it, it has mm-hmm. a life cycle of four different stages where it starts as an egg, mm-hmm. then it turns into a larva or a caterpillar, and then it forms into a chrysalis before it goes through the process of metamorphosis into becoming a butterfly. Mm-hmm. And the process is so incredible when you think about how metaphorical that is, that this being hatches and eats a lot, (laughs) a lot. These things eat a lot and they poop a lot. It's called frass, by the way. Their poopies are frass and you have to to clean it out of their their home because it's toxic for them. They can get sick and die. Hmm. So it's, they are very high maintenance. I will say absolutely very high maintenance little beings. And then when they begin to get big enough as caterpillars, They find their spot so they can begin to create this silk net around themselves. They turn into themselves and create this pupa, this chrysalis. And then they, in that process, they become, they start to metamorphosize. And it's just so incredible because I think about us and our process of doing something that's scary or growing, just the gestation process of an idea or creativity and how we have to wait for certain things and certain creativity to come into our being and the process of our caterpillar eating, right? Like Mm -hmm. as an idea begins to grow, you begin collecting different little ideas or motivation to finally get to that moment where you have to turn into yourself Mm -hmm. in order to create that home where you will metamorphosize into this butterfly. Well, then the process from there is a tiny little pinhole where then this butterfly needs to work through and needs to cut aggressively through and it is so much work. The amount of exertion is necessary for this butterfly to make their wings strong so that they're able to fly. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole process is incredible, right? So, yeah. so thinking of all of this, right, I get this book in the mail. It's called Monarca. So it's monarch in Spanish. And it says a novel by Leopoldo Gau and Eva Ardigis. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. This sounds great. 
And I start to read the release for it. And it says, this is an adventure about this, a girl who joins the monarchs on their journey south to the butterfly sanctuary in New Mexico. It's an odyssey that has become increasingly perilous due to human activity. Mm, So it is such a beautiful, inspiring story. And I'm like, oh my God, this is like so great. So I contacted HarperCollins and I... I found out that Leopoldo and Eva are like a big deal. <laughs> like they are like Leopoldo is a, a film director, producer, author. He was born in Mexico City. He did a Molly's game. Like there's a lot of works that he's done that I'm sure a lot of you will know, this being one of his latest ventures. And Ava Ardigis is a writer. She's a Mexican-American director. She's worked on a lot of films. She, I mean, some of you all may or may not know uh, some of the works that she's worked on, but the one that I recognized right off the bat was Narcos Mexico because both Tessa and I oh watched gosh. it. Oh, yes. <laughs> so good. <laughs> but it's just, they're truly incredible. So the cool thing, and I talked to Tessa about this before, was that prior to them creating the book together, I don't know that Leopoldo had known that Ava's family had been a long time shepherd of monarchs. I mean, creating monarch sanctuaries mm. and so on. So it was really beautiful to just hear them talk about it. So all of that wisdom, I thought, would be so appropriate to do as a Wisdom Wednesday episode. So I did get them on a Zoom together. And so I am so excited to have them on here with us now. But before we begin the conversation with Leopoldo and Eva, is there anything else you want to share, Tess? Gosh, Any insight? It's just, well, it's feeling so serendipitous. Sometimes I feel like, I don't know if you experienced this, Rosie, you know, the universe, if you're paying attention, will drop little clues here and there that, you know, maybe you're on the right path or maybe you veered off the path, but kind of like looking for signs and similarities or coincidences, I guess, that yes. line up. And this is exactly what you're experiencing. And We hadn't talked about that before now, but I've been experiencing in tandem with you. So like I I told you last time we talked on a Wisdom Wednesday that I was listening to Lynn Twist's The Soul of Money, and I had just finished that. And the very last chapter, she talks about the journey of the monarch butterfly. In particular, what she was talking about was that stage where it's a caterpillar and it's just eating everything up. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the glutton stage, right? And she was yes. using this as an analogy towards kind of like our uh, consumerism and that there's like this tiny kernel of creativity or seed of consciousness in there when we're kind of unconsciously consuming that we know that maybe this isn't sustainable, that we kind of need to look at things in a different way. And so as it relates to money, I think that's such an interesting, or not necessarily money, but consumerism, it's such an interesting analogy because you can take that and apply it to any kind of situation Mm -hmm. in life, right? About that growth pattern and what you need to go through, like that little hole, strengthening your wings, breaking through, it's transformation is not easy work. So I just love the serendipity of all of this. And I encourage 
you listeners to kind of look for the signs that the universe mm. drops in your path and maybe kind of connect the dots and see where it leads you and, and what that means for you. Yes, I love that. So well said. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you all so much for listening. And I hope that you're able to look for those signs and find those signs for yourself. Here's our conversation with Leopoldo and Eva, authors of Monarca. It was a sad day in my life when I was told that I couldn't drink coffee. People always wonder why I'm not a coffee drinker, and it wasn't that I didn't enjoy coffee, it's just that the caffeine were really increasing my anxiety levels, my stress levels, it was hurting my sleep, and it was really just not working for me. Enter Rasa. Rasa is an adaptogenic coffee alternative with an incredible selection of blends. It energizes from adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to provide sustainable energy without the jitters or that afternoon crash. This is amazing in place of coffee or just as your second cup in an effort to cut back. And if you don't know, adaptogens are most effective when consumed regularly and constantly, which means you're getting your daily dose of adaptogens while enjoying a beautiful morning ritual that can help set the tone for the rest of your day. For me, it's always been about the ritual. I start my day with the Super Happy Sunshine, their joy blend that helps boost my mood, and end with the cacao blend because who doesn't want a healthy hot chocolate? I can't wait for you to try Raza. They even have a quiz on their website to recommend the perfect blend just for you. Right now to get started and get 20% off of your first purchase, just go to weareraza.com and use my special promo code ROSIE20 to get 20% off of your first purchase. Just go to www.weareraza.com and use the promo code ROSIE20 to get 20% off. That's www.wearrasa.com and use the promo code ROSIE20. Even though a lot of us can attest to feeling young at heart, we'll be facing the same issues many Americans over 50. As we get older, we're more concerned about affordable health care, lower prescription costs, and protecting Social Security and Medicare. AARP advocates for you and offers financial and job resources, fraud protection help, information on joining local volunteer groups, and much more. Because AARP knows you have a lot of good years ahead. When my mom first joined AARP, I thought it was something that it was only for, you know, people that were getting a little up there. I didn't realize how many benefits they had. Family caregiver support. They have job board and resume advisors. They have financial planning, retirement, and social security resources. They even have the largest advocacy group for people over 50. And look, this is a place, hopefully, if we're lucky enough to get there, we're all going there at one point or another. And I think being prepared is one of the smartest things that we can do for our lives and for the lives of those we love. You can go over and check out the benefits for yourself or for a parent. Go to www.aarp.org forward slash loved. You can join for just $12 for your first year with automatic renewal. You'll get a second membership for free plus AARP, the magazine, as a free gift. Head over to www.aarp.org forward slash loved. That's aarp.org forward slash loved. The last two years have been crazy. We've never experienced anything like this in our lifetimes. We never experienced such an effect on our mental well-being. Unfortunately, a lot of us have been beaten down by anxiety, stress, and poor sleep due to all the uncertainty in the world. And if you're a working parent, you've had the extra difficulty of keeping your kids occupied 24-7 while trying to work from home. It's not an easy task. 
So if you're feeling extra exhausted and burnt out, you're not alone. There are tens of thousands of people in a similar place right now. The question is, what can we do to enhance our mental well-being? One critical thing I'm advising all of my family and friends to take is magnesium breakthrough daily. Here's why. Stress and anxiety deplete your magnesium levels. Low magnesium levels then contribute to more anxiety. It's like a vicious cycle. By supplementing with Magnesium Breakthrough, you can break that cycle because you'll be getting seven unique forms of organic full-spectrum magnesium for stress relief and better sleep all in one bottle. Taking Magnesium Breakthrough will help you to experience more energy, stronger bones, healthy blood pressure, less irritability, a calmer mood, reduced muscle cramping, even fewer migraines. And because it supports mental wellness, Magnesium Breakthrough can help you to feel yourself again. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed and you'll be amazed by the improvements in your mood, energy levels, and so much more. You'll feel so much more rested and you'll be ready to take on the day. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, just head over to magbreakthrough.com forward slash radically loved and use the code radically loved 10 during checkout to save 10% off and get free shipping. That's www.magbreakthrough.com forward slash radically loved and use the code radically loved 10 during your checkout to save 10% off plus free shipping. That's www.magbreakthrough.com forward slash radically loved and use the promo code radically loved 10. Hello, everybody. Thank you for coming back to the Radically Loved podcast. I'm joined by two very special guests. Leopoldo and Eva are here. I'm so excited to have you guys here. Thank you so much for being here. I'm honored. Thank you for having us. Thank you. This is going to be really interesting because I've not done two people at the same time. So hopefully you guys have done enough of these together where somebody takes a question and then the other can listen or vice, or you can cut each other off just like we would at a family dinner. You know, everybody's always talking <laughs> on top of each other. <laughs> so, so anyway, that being said, we're here to talk about Monarca, a novel. And prior to us recording or hitting the record button, I was telling you both how I'm raising monarchs right now. And I actually started doing this for the first time last year because I was reading about how the monarchs are going extinct or they're in trouble right now in the environment. And so I'm such a plant and pet lover. You know, I, I dedicated my book to my two Shih Tzus that are no longer with us. I just love plant beings and insects and animals so much that I just felt compelled to do it. And it almost seemed like the minute that we saved one, all of a sudden we started to get more and more and more. And so we just keep saving them. And it's very strange because it's almost like they're all communicating with each other and saying, Hey, go to the house on the corner. They will save you, you know? So it's, it's actually been a really nice process. So I'd actually love to start off with whoever wants to begin with regard to how and why you decided to write this beautiful novel, this beautiful story. Well, many years ago, I used to take my family to Michoacan and to look at the the butterflies. And and when my daughter Ines was four, it was beautiful to see that lots of butterflies would land on her head. And as a creator and thinker, I started to draw them and kind of thought that was really cute and really special. And I started to work on this idea. 
as my daughter became a teenager and a dancer on a very professional level, she was Marie on the Nutcracker in New York. I really wanted to do something special for her. And I felt at a crossroads because the more I researched the monarchs, the more I saw that this was a huge issue and problems and things. And I wanted to collaborate with someone and that that someone happened to be a friend of mine, Eva Arigis, who is wonderful, a writer, director, mother, human, echo warrior. And she's like, she's never tasted meat. She's being very fierce defender of animal rights and the planet. And I admired her and I tried to work with her along the way. You know, as you know, I make art and books and films and TV shows. And I think I sent her like a project every year for a decade and she turned me down every single time because she's very fancy. And I begged her to, I begged her to work with it. And I wanted to collaborate because I love the, you know, I published a lot of books and I love the idea of learning from other people. And I, I wanted to really speak the truth with someone that had a real vocation in this, you know, as an echo warrior without faking it or, or without it being just because it was trendy I mean, I was an activist as a, you know, I grew up with a single mom who was a really incredible activist, but Eva really lived that life. And, uh, and I, and I, I thought we, I, we would love, I'd love to collaborate with it. And I sent her that, uh, a message and it's the first time that without thinking, she said, of course, we're going to do this together. And we started writing and here's where I passed the mic to Eva because something very magical happened that blew our minds. And every time, every time I tell the story, it doesn't get old and my I get the chills because of something that happened to us while we were working. So Eva, why don't you take it over and tell the story from your perspective? I'm on the edge of my seat. So yeah, Leopoldo approached me with this idea, which seemed like a wonderful idea, you know, of a Mexican-American girl who transforms into monarch butterfly and undertakes the migration, the journey to Mexico, to Michoacan. I'd been working on sort of ideas and projects involving like human animal hybrids and just sort of trying to show the world from an animal's point of view or, you know, a different species point of view and, you know, with the sort of environmental or animal rights message. So it was very, it was really aligned with that. And also just um, always been very interested in the theme of like shape-shifting and, you know, in mythology. And um, so it seemed like a great project. I thought it was a great idea. And we both have young daughters so we said, okay, we'll do this for our daughters, dedicate the book to them. So Ines, the, the, you know, the protagonist, who's a teenage ballet dancer, is Leopoldo's daughter, Ines. And my daughter, Josephine, who's seven, is sort of, you know, inspired the main butterfly. So we started working and kind of, you know, coming up with the story. And, and a few weeks in, Leopoldo said, oh, or no, I said to Leopoldo, oh, I said, and, you know, I'm... I'm guessing that the main reason that you asked me to to work on this with you is because of like my father's whole relationship to the monarch butterflies. And he said, oh no, I have no idea what you're talking about. So my father grew up in Michoacan in a small village named Contepec where the butterflies came every winter. So he grew up watching the butterflies. And in the 80s, he had an environmental group in Mexico called the Group of 100, which one of their main campaigns was convincing the president at the time uh, Salinas de Gortari to turn the the forests, the Oyamil forests, into protected sanctuaries for the butterflies because there was a lot of logging going on there. So my father was responsible for the sanctuaries being created, and also when he was Mexican ambassador to UNESCO, he he 
had the, the sanctuaries declared kind of a world heritage site, a UNESCO world heritage site. But it was just really crazy that Leopoldo didn't know about sort of my whole family's history with the monarchs when he approached me. So I had no idea. Very it was crazy. Wow. I believe in magic because we're working in the kitchen of an L.A. Fa- uh, in a rented house. And suddenly she says, like, you know, my father, this and that. And then I Googled it. I knew her father is a famous poet from Mexico, but I didn't know anything else. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly um, he was one of the founders of, like, the sanctuary of the monarchs. It was so bizarre because I know thousands of people. And, you know, yeah. of course, Eva was somebody that I wanted to work with, but it's it's when fate when suddenly you really believe in fate and it mm-hmm. actually goes in the in the subject matter and the in the of the book as well. And yeah. one of the things that you know I wanted to tell you about the book is that we consider this and I I, I said it yesterday, but I, I'm never going to get tired of saying that that I, I see this story as a realist fable which is very different than magical realism, but uh, it's something that I feel that it's a very strong um, tone for what we created. Yeah, I would love to hear both of your answers to this question. There are four phases in the monarch's life, right? There are these four phases. I'm curious for both of you, as it relates to your life, and it could be your careers, what phase of of this process do you find yourself in right now? I love that to have a start because she came up with that idea and I loved it because we, we were writing this story and and it gave a lot of like structure to the experience of what monarchs have in their lives, in the four stages of their lives and and specifically it relates to our lives as well. So yeah. I think that Eva should start. Yeah, Eva, and also if you can tell the listeners what the four stages are. So the four stages of a monarch's life are the egg, the caterpillar, the pupa or chrysalis, and finally the butterfly. And uh, what we've done in the book is we've drawn parallels between these four stages and what the protagonist Ines is going through within the story. And then we've also... So present these four stages as a guide for transformation or change for the reader, you know, which they can take a, an issue or a decision they're trying to make or problem and sort of apply these stages to it. So, you know, the egg is sort of the, obviously in the, monarch, the monarch's life, it's the egg, but it sort of represents the beginning of, of something, an idea, a point of departure you know, something that's about to start. And the caterpillar is then, you know, is born from the egg. And the caterpillar, the monarch caterpillar, is just has a voracious appetite. All it does is eat. You know, it's born on a milkweed leaf that its mother laid the egg on. And that's the only thing it eats. And it just eats and eats and eats and gets, you know, grows at an incredible rate. But it doesn't go anywhere. And it has, you know, very bad eyesight and it just stays in one place and eats until it's ready to pupate and, you know, build its pupa or chrysalis. So we, the caterpillar stage we see as the the stage where, you know, Ines, our character or the reader, it's all about learning. It's all about taking in information, watching, listening, you know, growing, developing, preparing. Then the, the pupa or chrysalis stage is obviously 
where you're you're taking all that knowledge and taking everything that you've inge- or consumed and turning it into you know changing form you're you're starting to transform and then obviously the butterfly stage is when the butterfly emerges and it's sort of its final form or you've you've sort of made your decision or you've started to sort of reach sort of your destination point or your your destiny of sorts and you you go into a very much more active mode you know i think i'm somewhere between the chrysalis and the butterfly <laughs> i'm definitely doing things but i i have there's a lot more ahead i think and the book is in in the same stage you know yeah the book yeah, was you know true. we had the idea then we did all the work then there's you know the chrysalis it's been off being printed and everything and now it's about to emerge you know yeah that's so it's so exciting it must be really exciting for you both to be in this chrysalis process with such a beautiful story what about you Leopoldo what's your worry right now as I've always said I'm I'm still looking for my inner my inner adult so I believe that I am definitely a pupa, but with a caveat that one of my favorite things of working with the monarchas and discovering their magic is that there are, I don't know if the only, but it's one of the only animals that has two DNA strands. And um, in that transformation, I really feel it. I feel the power of the monarch, the fact that every culture in the world, they say, and I can say it, when you fall in love with someone, you feel butterflies in your stomach. And I really feel connected to that range. Uh, even though I'm, I'm a he, I still feel in the range, in a, in a spectrum of love and of, uh, I don't define myself straight, uh, you know, like strictly as a male, even though I, I am male and I am a he, but I, ha- I feel a range and I feel that I hate the idea that in this society we are so segregating between boys and girls and the native Mexicans have many more genders than two. So I feel connected to that transformation and that feeling that you belong to DNA strands because I am, I have Zapotec blood in my system. I have European bloods from all over the place. I love to make visual art, but I also like to write and tell stories and I feel like all of those things kind of pushes me to reinvent myself all the time. And in that way, I believe that it's, uh, I'm in the first phase of the, of the monarch, but with the caveat that I have lots of DNA strands from other things buzzing and flying around my head. Yeah, I love that so much. And I, I do love that in our culture, specifically Mexican culture, right, there is such a focal point on mythology and stories that involve animals or mother nature somehow. I I know that for me, it was always so much more effective to hear a story or learn wisdom from, yeah, the old Aztec story about how the moon ended up in the sky. You know, like all of these really old mythological tales that I just I loved so much and this is when I was reading this it's what it reminded me of it just took me back to that childhood place where I just want to sit at my my abuelita's feet and hear stories and 
And I really, I, I feel like we have lost so much of that just over time. And I really love the idea of bringing our attention and awareness back to the wisdom of mother nature, the wisdom of these beautiful beings. So that being said, I want to ask both of you one last question. And that is, what was the wisdom that the monarch butterfly has left you? Well, I've always had an issue with speciesism, you know, and just the idea that humans are superior or more important than the other life forms we share the planet with. And when you look at nature, when you study any animal or plant, you know, there's just this perfect harmony and just every ecosystem, everything is just in balance and the way it's supposed to be. And for every living creature, you know, nature, the natural world provides everything they need, you know, and I think we have so much to learn from animals and from, and from the natural world. And tragically there's, you know, 200 species going extinct every day, many of which we know nothing about. And I think animals and, and, insects, you know, they only take what they need from nature and everything they need is found in nature. And I think we as humans can really, would really benefit to learn more about that because basically all our problems are, you know, about greed for money, greed for power. So I think with the butterfly, like really studying the butterfly while we were writing this book, you know, it just sort of reinforced that idea of they get their energy from sunbathing, you know, they get their sodium from alligator tears or mud puddles, you know, they get, they have the shelter, they have the food, they have everything, you know, everything is there in the natural world for them. Uh, there's enough for everyone. It's renewable. It's infinite, you know, as, as, as long as you don't bring man into the equation to destroys it, you know, and so really for, you know, for me, studying the monarch butterfly more closely while writing this book was really just a reinforcement of that, of that, you know, of just how much we have to learn from, from nature, from different animals, from different species. And that was the main thing I learned. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. That's beautiful. Well, to me, it's more, you know, obviously what Eva says is very clear and kind of like a big lesson that we all experience as we were doing the, the story and we're making all of the art for the book which you know it's a whole other universe in itself but to me one of the things that it reminded me was the moment for the first time where you go to the forest and arrive where millions of butterflies are in the trees kind of making love or I have no ever would know exactly like more about them but it's a feeling of total euphoria and we were talking about this yesterday the all the purity of all of nature that the excitement to be in a place where everything kind of is harmonious and all of these creatures are are, are covering in bright orange these beautiful trees and it's it's overwhelming and it takes you around into holy caramba this planet is incredible and if you know aliens come in and they see these trees they'll want to like save the planet they probably will want to kick us out for renters abuse we are so lucky that we still have a glimpse of that planet and we should defend it at all costs and you can only have it when you experience these things like the first wave that your child sees in an ocean or the feeling of sand in your feet or us Latinos putting hands in a bag of coffee beans. There's so much on and beauty in nature that, that we should 
hopefully with the book, we want to get the audience to read it and then want to go out and just hug a tree and smell a flower and plant a flower and you know, like Eva does, uh, you know, protest meat meat processors, or you know, like just be just be more active in 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 your connection with nature, and that's why you know we you know monarchs go into a swarm and they travel for thousands of miles and they go to these really specific forests, and it's just there. There's so much magic in this tiny creature, and if it's and they can do that and move the world and make uh pollinate all of these paths where they go imagine what we could do because you know any human is bigger and in weight than thousands and thousands of butterflies but they still can affect the 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 planet so so i hope that that is something that it's not just what i took for myself but that we injected into the book and and that the audience that experiences that book can can feel that and maybe go out for a walk Yes. Oh, I love that. So I love that so much. I feel like we need to do a part two to this, but mm-hmm. I want to be respectful please. of your time. <laughs> because please. The name no, of the we have time is- for another. We have time for another question <laughs> if you want. <laughs> the name of the book is called Monarca and we'll put the link in the show notes. So if you are interested in supporting please check the links in the info button of this particular podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube, it'll be in the description below. Where can people go for more information? The website of of Harper One, we are building something that we'll announce soon, but mostly from Amazon or any platform that you can buy books. Local bookstores would be even better. Support them. They need us. But the website of the Harper of Carp Collins has a lot of information, and there's links to our personal websites on that you know main hub of Harper One uh, Monarca that you will post in the in the videos. And and again, we love your audience. I think you're fantastic. You come from you know so much, and yet you are still helping monarchs in your house. So you are a hero. And we, Eva and I, were, were, were finding these heroes of nature and we feel that you're one of them. So we also celebrate you and we can't wait to have many more discussions about your books and, and your life because it's a very interesting one. Oh, thank you, Leopoldo. Thank you, Eva. Thank you both so much for being here. I, I love this conversation so much. First of many. Thank you. Thank you so much. Take care, Rosie. Thank you so much for listening to the Radically Loved Podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook at Radically Loved Rosie, on Instagram at Rosie Acosta, and Twitter at Rosie Acosta. By the way, this is original music by DJ Taz Rashid. You can follow DJ Taz on Spotify and check out the best music for yoga and meditation. This has been a Mod Pod Studio production. Check them out at www.modpodstudio.com.